Oh, that's right. We said we were going to do that, didn't we? Yeah, only in French, Beth. That's English. (laughs) Although me just going, ha-ha, is my version of French. Um, Hockey Statminer is not with us today. He's not with us today because he he failed his French test. We warned him. If he didn't get it right, he wasn't going to come on. And that's what happened. So welcome back, Michael Murphy, to the podcast. We've missed you, buddy. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. Uh, the Rangers have kept me up late, but I'm doing fine. I've been studying French. <laughs> Beth, how are you doing? Joe speaks Disney French. Um, uh, I'm do. doing. I'm doing okay. I'm very tired from staying up last night and some other night that was a night, maybe Saturday night, maybe also Sunday night. I don't really remember, but yeah. Could have been. I'm sleepy, been but Saturday, I'm here. Sunday. Sleepy, sober, um, in here. The New York Rangers are coming off a Western Canada road trip where they ran through their teams like a hot knife through butter, winning all three games by a combined score of 14-3. to um, Yesterday's 7-2 to win over Vancouver had some shades of uh, previous years. The Rangers scored seven goals and 18 shots, but uh, the Rangers are definitely continuing to cruise along. We were talking a little bit before the podcast began that the Rangers are winning some games against teams they should be beating. The Rangers are winning some games against some teams you, you're you glad to see them beat. Um, you know, there's a lot to talk about. I think we're going to kind of go into detail about some of the things we're seeing. I think these past few games, the, the Rangers have sort of shown some signs to be really optimistic about. They've shown some signs to be really concerned about. And they've shown some signs that this may be sustainable, maybe not, whatever. Uh, But first, we are going to talk about Chris Kreider, the man who is not allowed to play really good hockey without getting injured. His neck spasms, we assume, flared back up again before the Rangers game against Edmonton. And it was bad enough that he did not even stay in Edmonton. He went right back to New York to get further treatment. There's still no information. The Rangers called up Cristobal Boo Nieves to uh, take his place. Pavel Buchnevich is out with neck spasms. Uh, excuse me, he has back spasms. Beth, how concerned should the Rangers be about this injury to Kreider just from the standpoint of him not being there or what it means for the team? You know, just go ham on this question. Yeah, I don't like it because clearly it's a continuation of whatever he was out with before, most likely. Um, When he came back for that little window in between, he was not the beast he had been in the preseason and right at the beginning of the season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I do think there's definitely cause for concern and – you know, you wouldn't think with seven goals that we missed him that much, but, I mean, we did miss him. Um, he makes a lot of things happen. And the fact that they're being so sort of shady about the injury and the fact that nobody saw an injury, I think, is another thing that, that makes us anxious. And, and on one hand, that shouldn't really make sense. These guys are getting banged all over the place for the whole game. Something could easily happen that would be less visible than, say, Stepan nearly losing several people nearly losing legs last night, but Stepan most visibly. Um, so yeah, we didn't see what happened. We don't really know what happened. Whatever it was has happened enough to put him out twice and get him sent home. 
from the opposite coast. So, you know, I don't think concern is out of line here. And I mean, yeah, as someone, as you are saying on the chat, we, we don't usually get a full paragraph of details about what's going on with these guys' bodies. Um, but yeah, there there is something about this that's disturbing, I think. What's going on with their bodies? Mike, what is going on with Kreider's body? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be that kind um, of podcast. It's in French, so we can talk about that one if we want. I mean, the French are very open, but uh, (laughs) you know, it's it's interesting. In the last two seasons, he's missed five games, so he's not really known for, you know, being a guy who's, you know, battles like little nagging injuries that keep him out. Um, And obviously, you know, he's in the prime of his career, so to have him kind of get, you know, yo-yoed in and out of the lineup here with you know, whatever these the spasms or whatever else is going on with them um, is a little bit concerning, but, you know, I really don't have any issue with the team taking the cautious road here just because there's no need to rush him. The team is playing ridiculously well. Um, there's more forward depth than the team knows what to do with. And, you know, even now, even now that we're at, you know, Boo Nieves, it's, you know, he's a guy we want to see anyway. So um, it's it's definitely something to be worried about just because he's Kreider and, you know, he's our you know, top six winger. And, you know, in the couple the first couple of games of the season, he looked like he was going to, you know, score 35 or 40 goals. But um, it, it's definitely a, a, the wrong guy for this to be happening to. You don't want it to happen to anyone. But uh, all in all, it's, you know, I think caution is good, and right now, frankly, the Rangers can kind of keep winning without him in the lineup, which is something I don't think we would have been saying a while ago. Uh, first of all, I would like to apologize. I don't know if it's being picked up by my Mike's audio, but my wife is making lasagna, and uh, she's smashing meatballs for the sauce, and apparently that requires a sledgehammer and as much noise as could possibly be made above us. So if you hear smashing, no one is ripping my house down. It's just my wife. Uh, smashing up meatballs. Uh, Speaking of, I don't know how that correlates, but uh, there's some talk right now in the chat room that uh, there's rumors Kreider actually has a concussion, which would sort of make sense. Uh, We're doing a little bit of investigative journalism here, but uh, Michael Silver said that when Buchnevich was re-injured, his back spasms, they said that uh, it was back spasms. And with Kreider, they didn't say anything, just he was going back for evaluation Concussion kind of does fit the symptoms in that he came back and was fine, and then he left again for no apparent reason. Uh, For him to go back and get evaluated, it makes sense. I can't think of anything in my head that would have led to a concussion from Kreider. I don't remember a hit. I don't remember cringing or seeing something occur, but concussions are so volatile, you just don't know. You could literally bump your head going into the shower and get a concussion, so... If it is something a little bit more serious, A, we wouldn't know about it because the Rangers never give any of that detail. And B, I think the Rangers going a safer route definitely makes sense, especially in a situation like this. You're talking about really the Rangers' plan C. Plan B was Lindbergh, who was sitting. Plan C was Nieves. Um, I'm sure plan D would be Marek Rivik, and you can't say he hasn't deserved a shot either. Um, Tanner Glass is somewhere on like page 43 uh, of the manual, but 
the Rangers definitely have options, and, and they're not without opportunities to score goals. They're not without creating those goals. And, you know, the Rangers have done some really good things offensively, even without Kreider and without Buchnevich. And we're going to get into some of the possession metrics as we go on this podcast. But those are two very big neutral zone possession players. And some of the Rangers drop off in those possession numbers could be because they're missing both of them. But to see the Rangers still find the back of the net so much without them is a big deal. Because Kreider was on a ridiculous pace. And Buchnevich, I think, has one of the top points per game of all rookies in the NHL. So you're missing two quality pieces there. And for the Rangers to still be successful definitely says a lot about this team. And it says a lot about the forward depth that they have. If you're going to be cautious with anybody, be cautious with a guy like Chris Kreider. You never, especially with concussions, you never want to rush anybody back into the lineup. Um, I think in the beginning of the year, we talked a lot about, Kevin Hayes and JT Miller taking really big steps forward. And that was part of the reason why the Rangers have been so successful. Well, here we are now, <coughs> excuse me, uh, dangerously close to the quarter mark of the season, and they're still doing really good things. Miller still leads the team in points. Kevin Hayes and Miller had two goals each yesterday. Uh, Mike, I know you have some JT Miller thoughts that you want to share with everybody, so this is your opportunity to talk about how good he has been. Well, the, you know, the thing I, you know, I tweeted it out last night and uh, George used to go by a Ranger Smurf retweeted it. So I, I know, I knew it must have been smart. Um, oh, but uh, yeah. it's, Miller is now a point per game player. And the thing that's so exceptional about that is that he's, he only has two points in the power play. So, you know, he's playing under 16 minutes a night. Uh, he only has you know, a little bit of power play and like an insignificant amount of power play production to kind of buoy his stats. And on top of all the rest of that is he has 10 assists, five of which are primary. So he's at 12 primary points and 17 points in 17 games. And Hayes is not that far behind. He has 16 points in in 17 games. So um, when you think of, you know, those are the guys we, you know, are asking really to, to not really play a big role on the power play. And we're actually asking them to play like penalty killing minutes. Um, it's really fascinating to see how those guys who are, you know, they're the future of the team, those guys at that age, in that age bracket. And, uh, you know, to see them have this kind of a start, you know, we we were talking the last time I was on the podcast, we were still, I think, uh, caught up in the whole Zipin and Jad and Kreider train and how good that line was looking. And now, you know, when we're, you know, we're at, uh, closing in on, you know, the, the the quarter mark of the season here, I don't think any of us would turn away the idea that Miller and Hayes are more or less point-per-game players. And it's almost gone overlooked at this point. And that's it's pretty crazy. The Rangers have two players who do not have a point yet this year. One of them is Cristobal Nieves, who played his first game uh, yesterday. The other one is Beth's large adult son, Dylan McElrath, who is no longer <laughs> with the team anymore. So yeah, he does. the offense has been truly unprecedented. And Beth, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just I pulled the stats and I was looking at everything. And before you jump in, I just want to throw two things out there. 
The first is that the very bottom of the barrel in terms of the Rangers forwards offense is Pavel Buchnevich, and he has eight points in 10 games. If you want to look at it from a point-per-game mark, it's Jesper Fast, who is on pace for over a 40-point season. That's ridiculous. That's the Rangers' 12th forward. And the other thing <laughs> is, for as much as I think we've seen Mika Zibanejad kind of, I don't want to say tail off a little bit, but definitely not be that dominant guy that he was when Kreider and Buchnevich were together, he has 13 points in 17 games. He's tied with Grabner and Zuccarello for third place on the team. So this offense has been good enough that when one player is sinking, like VC, whose shooting percentage is never going to stay that high, another player is usually streaking in the other direction, and in that case it was Buchnevich. So, um, you know, just something to think about there. Beth? Yeah, I mean, I want to think particularly about Hayes, especially in the game last night. I mean, he was almost single-handedly responsible for turning the game around. Um, that one beautiful little slap shot he had. Um, I mean, we, what was it? They got, and now if I'm mixing up my nights, correct me, but uh, Canucks got 13 shots in the first 13 minutes, I think. Hank was getting shelled. We were doing nothing. Um, I know they had 17 shots in the first period to the Rangers eight, I think, or something like that. Um, We were, we, we got pinned down there the defense got run ragged um it looked like a power play and uh, even though we had the two goals at that point it was Hayes I think who got the third one and just said you know what enough and he really you know not only looked like a you know a point scorer out there he looked like a leader he looked like a guy who has just had enough of an impact to single-handedly decide to do something else and turn the game around. That was not a shot that we usually see from him. Um, but it went in, it was great. And after that, that was when, that was when the, uh, our goal streak started. And, um, you know, and the fact that he got another one on top of that, even better. Um, but he just really, you know, he looked in charge. He looked like somebody you felt like he was going to do something good or Every time he had the puck, none of that hesitation that we were seeing all over the place last year, um, making things happen. And also, I think I was saying this to you guys before we got started, and I mentioned this uh, in my Shea article that went up today. I mean, like the generosity, as if he was like some veteran who'd been around for 10 years of trying to get Shea his first goal um, when, you know, he could have been trying for the hat trick. Um, that's a really mature thing to do, and I don't think mature is a word we were really associating with Hayes before this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not, last night not only did he look fantastic, but he really – he had a sort of – I'm going for the Latin phrases this week – gravitas to him. Um, that was did you not great. get the French memo? <laughs> hey, there are romance languages, the okay? Um. Exactly. The Hayes maturity stuff, and you're right, we didn't hear a lot about that last year because all we heard about from the media last year was how lazy he was and how he sucked and how the Rangers needed to get rid of him and how he was a head case and all these other things that make my blood boil. Um, Kevin Hayes has really become, uh, I want to say, a flotation device for the Rangers with their offense because in the games where the Rangers maybe aren't playing their best and 
let's call it spade a spade here. The Rangers didn't have the best Western trip. I mean, yes, they dominated no. their games and they won, but from a possession standpoint, Vancouver shelled the Rangers last night. I mean, truly shelled the Rangers last night. And that was the type of game we were seeing a lot of last year. I think the Rangers were outshot in terms of Corsi, like 66 to 30, and the Rangers won the game 7 to 2. More often than not, you are losing that game. And Henrik Lundqvist stood on his head, and, you know, that's what he's there for. But you don't want to see stuff like that on a consistent basis. And we were seeing a lot more of that last year than we were this year, thankfully. I think this Western road trip has been something of a step back in that regard. But when you look at Kevin Hayes, he has been a guy who's been noticeable in almost every single game. He lost 20 pounds, which we are (laughs) obligated to mention every time that we talk about him. Yeah, check it Um, off for this week. Yeah, that it's done about for this the weight week. of a pug. Uh, he is shooting the puck a lot more. He has more confidence, and, and that's the biggest thing for me. Last year, Kevin Hayes was the whipping boy. Okay, he's going to go on the fourth line now because he's being punished. And last year, that was a punishment. Okay, he's going to get paired with Tanner Glass. Well, why isn't he putting up points? We don't understand why he's not putting up points. Probably because he's playing with Tanner Glass. It's not hard to put these puzzle pieces together. So for all the Rangers fans who wanted him traded this summer, they've gone quiet because they're crab people and crabs cannot talk. They just make weird clicking noises. (laughs) Kevin Hayes has been a vital part of this team. And I'm not even talking about bringing Jimmy Vesey aboard. I'm just talking about what he brings to the Rangers, a big body who can grind, who can get in front of the net. He has disgusting hands. His second goal was absolutely filthy yesterday. And he has 16 points in 17 games. He is the master of primary points, which are goals and first assists. It's ridiculous. And people wanted him gone. JT Miller, I'll put my hand up. I want it traded for Jacob Truba. Thank God that hasn't happened. There are a lot of things that you need to be willing to put investments in. And looking at a guy like Kevin He, and this is what drives me up the wall when people say, well, you're not a coach. What do you, you think you're smarter than AB? You think you're better than him? it's that you can see when a player has the trajectory to be given an opportunity to play like Adam Clendenning. So when that does not happen, it's very frustrating. And let's be totally honest here. This coaching staff is not exactly giving you a reason to love their player personnel choices outside of this forward group this year. The past three years have been something of a crapshoot up and down the lineup. So I think Kevin Hayes has been a big part of that. Miller has been a big part of that. Other players, like I mentioned before, kind of go up and down. Zuccarello's there some games. Nash is there most games. Zibanejad is there most games. VC, Buchnevich. There's enough offense here that they can help take care of each other. And you look at some of the players that you'd think off the top of your head you'd be disappointed with. Nash has seven goals. Stefan has 11 points. McDonough has 11 points. Peary has 10 points. You're You're just... Jesper Fast has 10 points. If he was scoring at this rate last year, he could have at least somewhat earned the top six role that he was just currently given. There's a lot of things to be happy about with this offense. Um, I'm not thrilled with the defense still. I think there's still a ton of issues the Rangers need to iron out. And in a one-game series, or excuse me, a one-team series, like in the playoffs, it's going to be pretty easy to isolate the Rangers' defense and throw pins at it. The Rangers haven't played the elite of the elite yet. They haven't really gone up against the, uh, 
the Canadians. They haven't really gone up against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have beaten a lot of really good teams, don't get me wrong, but there's still tests out there. And the teams that have kind of taken away those transition lanes and forced the Rangers' defense to do work have been the games that the Rangers have had the most difficulty with. And that's an issue. It remains an issue. One of you side, do one of you have something to add? Yeah, I mean, last night we were really seeing, I know we've given Holden a ton of crap. He is creeping up in my estimation. He does does still do some things that make me cover my eyes. But um, Girardi was a disaster last night. There was one power play where it literally looked like he just kept kneeling on either side of the goal. It was multiple snow angels. He threw himself to the ground anytime it looked like somebody was going to shoot. And he was also so close to the crease that it didn't really seem he could really do much by doing that because Hank was there. Um, it, it was just one of the strangest displays I think I've ever seen. And, you know, last night to me was like a recurring nightmare of Girardi versus the Stettons. I mean, that's just what it kept looking like, even though he was on, he was paired. He was paired with McDonough last night, right? Although, for some reason, McDonough doesn't appear in these memories. <laughs> it's just sort of an, an endless reel of Girardi getting shelled and pulled out of position uh, by by the Seddon twins. But um, he maybe he has just taken the spotlight now because, again, yes, he, he did sort of rally back at the beginning of the season. I think enough to sort of take the spotlight on him. That spotlight is back. Um, and it's not good, and it's November. So, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe AV, I mean, let's spirit of optimism and generosity. Maybe AV is even anticipating that he's going to have to put Clendenning in on a more permanent basis, and he's just giving G all the ice he can while he can't do too much damage as some sort of dignity move. I, you know, I don't know. But, that that's going to have to change because last night looked like some of the worst games of the end of last season on his part. Yeah. And yeah, scoring goals, whatever, 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 not the point. Vigneault needs to earn okay, my trust. Okay, kind of the point, comes... but not the point. <laughs> Vigneault needs to earn right. my trust when it comes to the defense because it, there's just no telling what he's going to do. And I'm glad you brought up that point. We really do try to be objective. A lot of crab people think that, we literally just sit there and just think to ourselves, okay, we're just going to bitch about Girardi and Holden and whatever. Uh, that's really not the way that these things go. There are objective reasoning behind this stuff. And Nick Holden has kind of moved himself out of that bottom disgusting group with Girardi and is sort of on a much better plane than he was before. I, I think there's still a lot of issues. He just still does some stuff that makes my head spin, but it has not been as bad as it was in the beginning of the year. And he's slowly solidifying himself into a little bit of a more solid presence. Girardi has totally regressed from where he was in the beginning of the year. Uh, we knew this was coming. Uh, it's not, this has nothing to do with, I don't even know how to really put it. It has nothing to do with Dan Girardi besides the fact that he's an aging defenseman who's literally breaking down. And Vigneault said, we're not going to use him in back-to-backs. We don't want him to get hurt. Vigneault used him in back-to-backs. Pavel Buchnevich gets out in, in Calgary. He can't go. 
Vigneault dresses seven defensemen with Adam Clendenning. Adam Clendenning doesn't play a single shift. He just sits on the bench for 60 minutes and does nothing. There's no no logic. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no anything. You look at it and you think to yourself, what, what is the plan here? What's going on? I don't know. The, the defense has truly been – their mistakes have been erased by the fact that the Rangers are up by enormous goal margins almost all the time that they're playing. And Henrik Lundqvist and Anthony Rodda, let's, let's be honest. He's playing really well, Anthony too. Rodda, yep. But when teams actually gun at Girardi, when Edmonton gunned at Girardi, Girardi had no answer. Connor McDavid, and it's really not the best example because he's one of the best players in the NHL, made him look like a fool. To your point, Beth, against Vancouver, Girardi does that whole kneel by the crease thing a lot. He's not quick enough to get into the lane, and he's not, I don't want to say he's not calling him an idiot, but he doesn't have enough hockey IQ to get into the right position either. And I think some of that has to do with he's trying to hedge his bets because he can't get to where he needs to get to with his skating. So he goes down on a knee and he tries to block the passing lane. More often than not, those passes are going through. That's a problem. That's what we saw last year. And when you have a guy like Clendenning, who is quite literally one of the NHL leaders in possession metrics, his course he hit 63% through his six games. He does so much with the puck that the Rangers need. They need that transition. They need that defense to offense transition. And they're not getting it from the guys that they have. Shea has taken big steps forward, like you said, in that department. Ryan McDonough has taken big steps forward in that department. Nick Holden has put up offense, too. But you need those guys who are going to make those lanes happen. And we're back to where we were before. Girardi should not be playing every night. And that's not going to change because it just isn't. I don't think he's going to be here next year. Uh, Let's just, again, the expansion draft and the Rangers are going to be forced to protect him. There's really no need to keep him around. But uh, the fact that the Rangers kept him and lost a a quality defenseman in Keith Yandel because of it is – it's just a big blow. It really is. Mike, do you have any thoughts on this particular topic? Well, you know, it's it's not an uncommon phenomenon, the, the fact that, you know, very good offense and very, very good goaltending can help, you know, muddy the waters and hide problems. You know, it happens all the time. It happens with, you know, the Devils. It happens with the Rangers. The teams that have the luxury of having, you know, a truly elite goaltender get to enjoy the fact that, you know, their defenders often come off looking better than they are because uh, not as many goals go up on the board and goalies will take away high danger scoring chances and, you know, help to just, you know, kind of smooth out the wrinkles and cover up mistakes. And it also helps when, you know, granted that Vancouver is likely the worst team in hockey right now, but, you know, when you can put up seven goals on a team and you're getting outchanced at a rate of, you know, and, or outshot really at a rate of two to one, you know, it's uh, it's pretty easy to overlook like, oh, Girardi looks slow or he's out of position or he's, doing drop knees in the crease on the, on the penalty kill. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of just, it's a weird thing to think that that's still going on when there's so much positive positivity with the team and with things going in such a, you know, Rangers are eight, two and oh in their last 10 games. So it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to nitpick and, 
you know, underline the problems here, but, you know, it's, it's getting close to, you know, the team having that unsustainable start that they had last season. It's a different kind of unsustainable, but, um, you know, the last time the Rangers, you know, I think it's nine straight games now or something with, with at least three goals, you know, the, it's a lot of things are going right with the offense and uh, it won't always be that way. There'll be nights when the Rangers don't score four goals, believe it or not, those will happen. And uh, when they do, I think the the shortcomings of the defense are going to become a lot more clear. Which is the fear. And since we've hit this topic, let's just talk about it. Uh, Hockey Statminer posted, he did a chart, he did a breakdown chart of the Rangers' possession metrics at different stages of the game. We'll start with the good news. Down by one goal, the Rangers are top five in pretty much every single metric you'd want. Corsi, Fenwick, shots for percentage, goals for percentage, goals per hour, expected goals for whatever, whatever, whatever. High danger scoring chances. Um when the Rangers are up by one, those numbers decrease. The possession numbers go from one to 14th in the NHL. Fenwick is 16th in the NHL. Shots for percentage is 17th in the NHL. Uh, when the Rangers are tied, they're 17th in possession, 13th in Fenwick, 13th in shots for, 16th in goals for percentage. Uh, he also put any score in there. I'm not factoring those numbers in because – any score includes when the Rangers are up 7-2 to two against Vancouver. They don't give a shit if they're giving up a million shots. It doesn't matter at that point. They have the landing gear down. So you look at when the Rangers are down, this is where their offense is truly explosive. When the Rangers have to make things happen, they are capable of making things happen. And off the bat, that was not something that last year's team was capable of doing. Let's, that is what it is. So this year's team is definitely explosive enough to be able to get goals when they need them up one, whatever the Rangers are putting the landing gear down. The Rangers have put the landing gear down every year under Vigneault. They did it with Tortorella. They did it with Tom Rennie. It's almost like if you agree to coach the Rangers, there's a fine print like blood pact that you have to shell when you have a lead in the third period. Fine. The tide metrics concern me a little bit because the Rangers possession numbers aren't great there. And if, to be so good down one means the Rangers are really opening things up. When they're tied, their Rangers are worried about going back. The Rangers are worried about yeah, having a goal go in the back of their net. They rely probably a little bit more on the defense, and this is sort of where we are right now. We haven't seen a ton of those games. When things have been really close and the Rangers have had to rely on their defense, things have not worked out very well. But when the Rangers don't have to worry about that, when they can be free to do whatever they want, they're explosive. So last year, I don't think the numbers would have looked like this. In fact, last year, I think the Rangers were bottom third easily in every single possession metric, no matter what the score situation was. I would say the, the numbers that they've put up across the board are, are more positive than negative, but it does concern me that when the score is tied, the Rangers don't really have the possession numbers that you'd like to see. One of the ways that you can judge their overall possession numbers being middle of the pack is because when they're up by four or five goals in the third period, there's no reason to keep pushing forward. And those shots still count in the possession metrics against you. But tied is a little concerning. And in that figure, the Rangers have the number one high danger scoring chance percentage and their seventh in high danger shooting percentage. 
So that means the Rangers are riding high. That's PDO. That's puck luck. Eventually, those numbers are going to even out a little bit. We saw that happen last year. Uh, it is what it is. And that's the question. When this offense dries up, when this well goes from four and a half to five goals a game to two and a half to three goals a game or three and a half goals a game, whatever, is this Rangers team going to be good enough to handle that type of an adjustment? Beth, I'll let you tackle that monster of a question. I really, you know what? I really don't know. Um, what The way you phrase it or just the way we think about it makes it seem as if once that drying up happens, the team is going to re- need to rely more on a defense that we've pretty much decided we can't always rely on. Um, so in that case, it doesn't look too positive. Um, again, I guess I'm just hoping if not for, you know, this sort of ridiculous number of goals per game. And again, wouldn't it be nice if we could save some for winter? Um, but still, you know, maintaining the sort of creativity they have on offense. I mean, I can't see these guys completely – I can't see them completely drying up. Um, There's just too much talent there. There's too much, you know, good hockey sense. Uh, There's a lot of chemistry right now. Um, I really think it would take a couple of significant injuries to totally dry it up. Um, So – Again, I'm feeling a little Pollyanna-ish and saying this with the caveat that a bad injury, um, especially on defense right now, could completely change everything. I'm a little – I mean, I am worried. Like I said, watching that game last night, watching it look like a power play against the friggin' Canucks, um, or watching it not look like a power play, watching it look like we were playing a man down against the Canucks when we were very much not, um, was worrying. Because if they could do that, imagine what the Pens could do if we get in a rut. Um, But again, I I guess I have faith that this offense, even if not at this pace, is is going to keep producing. They've been pretty relentless. And so I'm going to hang my hat on that for right now. Michael? Like, uh, just looking over the schedule really quickly, and there's a really kind of peculiar thing that's happened with the Rangers, and it kind of goes to what Joe was saying before with, you know, the offense doing so much to win games, but the Rangers haven't gone to overtime. They haven't gone to a shootout yet. Interesting. It hasn't even been close, Um, to be honest. Yeah, and I just looked, there's been four games that were decided by one goal, um, and I wasn't able to check how many of the two-goal games were uh, empty netters, but I know the Rangers have, uh, I think, three of those. I'm not sure. But um, that and three of them were losses. One of them was uh, the loss to Carolina. One was uh, the uh, the infamous loss to Jimmy Howard, the game of his life. And uh, I forget the other one off the top of my head, but the point is we, we really haven't had to see the Rangers play like close, tightly contested games this season because they are they're generating really high quality scoring chances and they're finishing on them. And even lately when they're getting, you know, outshot and outchanced, they they just make a count and when you have four lines that are scoring lines, that can happen. And that's why I think 
a lot of this is guesswork because not many there's not a lot of comparables for what the Rangers are doing this season. It doesn't happen a lot mm-hmm. where teams will try to kind of forego the whole you know oh we need a you know a Derek Dorsett or you know we need a, a tough guy on the fourth line and you know because we just we need him and the Rangers are saying no let's let's have speed and you know Brandon Peary who can score 20 goals there because he doesn't cost any money and so far obviously it's it's working pretty well everyone's been eating Papa John's for a while now um trying (laughs) trying to figure out are you just going to work your way through Europe with a... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. It's international night, yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what, what we're really going to see because, obviously, you know, as good as they look when things are going right and, like, you know, as best to say in the... You know, when the Rangers look like they're running a power play on the Canucks, I mean, it's the Canucks, but it's like, wow, it's really pretty to watch them make those plays. But uh, not every night's going to be a four or five goal night. And the the good thing is Ronta and Lundqvist is easily, you know, one of the top five goaltending pairs in the league, in my opinion. So they all have goalies that are capable of stealing them games. And I think that's, a good thing because right now I know that Nicholson is a, uh, you know, people aren't as quick to criticize him because he's picking up points left and right here. But, uh, you know, it's Girardi and Holden. There's a lot left to be desired. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to criticize the D when, you know, Maco, I mean, uh, McDonough, excuse me, leading the team in primary assists. And, you know, Shea has what, 10 assists now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think any of us saw this coming. It's this weird, you know, some of the D are really, really exceeding our expectations, and that's amazing. Uh, I don't think anyone expected McDonough to have this great of a an offensive start. And then it's, oh, Girardi's scoring goals. What's that about? And then we, you know, some people will be quick to point out, you know, how he has the heart of a warrior and can do no wrong. And then... You know, they forget when he snow angels and a puck gets passed over him and a goal happens. But uh, it's it's really hard to figure out what the Rangers have, to be honest with you, because there's not a lot of parallels for what the Rangers are doing with their roster this year. And there's a story coming on this later for the banter. This is unprecedented. A team has never done four lines of skill the way the Rangers are doing it right now. And whether or not it's sustainable, you don't know because you've never seen it before. You have no idea. Uh, we have yeah, a caller. Our first caller in, I don't know how long, a 718 area code <laughs> from the fine state of New York. You are on the air with Panther in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? Wait. Wait. It's Dan's 10. That's who it is. It is Dan's 10. Dan's 10, how are you doing, buddy? Man, these are three voices I haven't heard in so long. Hi, Beth. Uh, you know, you doing? that insinuates that you're Hi. not listening to the podcast, which is awful. Oh, <laughs> shut your face just now. Hugs for all of you. How you doing? How you guys doing? You're good. Doing buddy. good. Um, Start how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm alive and I'm a happy Ranger fan. What's more to complain about, right? 
Well, I'm sure there's something to complain about since you're calling. Nope, not tonight. <laughs> not tonight. Actually, actually, in this case, I'm actually actually here to correct one thing. Um, you guys were mentioning the uh, one-goal games. There were four. Yeah. They are one and three in those one-goal games. The win is against Arizona, which is the Ooh. second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the three losses, St. Louis, uh, Detroit, and Carolina. Um, yeah, really, the Carolina remember. one is probably the one that was probably the closest to them getting a goal to get to overtime because Carter Hutton was playing off, playing out of his mind in St. Louis. And obviously, oh, yeah. um, John, Jimmy Howard was, you know, insane, just brick wall insane. But I come to you guys because, honestly, I wanted to talk about the defense. And the thing that they, I can see – first and foremost with this defense, it doesn't have to do the kind of work that it used to do the last two seasons, in fact, the last three. The biggest change I see is that the forwards are making sure the defense has a lot less work to do. The forwards are catching their guys in the neutral zone to the blue line and not letting them surpass the blue line without either having to dump the puck or having to play the puck more effectively uh, between the blue line and to the face-off circles. They've gotten a lot better at catching that, that particular 50-foot pocket. And that 50-foot pocket starting to make a big difference in how they're playing defense. In fact, you're starting to see now, and this is kind of the guy that I'm, I'm, I've been tra- uh, championing the last few days on the banter is Michael Grabner. He's probably the best example of this. He's been able to figure out how to read when the puck is going to come off that, come off those boards and move uh, cross ice as opposed to going straight to the net. And guys sure. are starting to follow that lead. They've gotten a lot better following that lead. Um, you guys were also mentioning uh, the, the, the issue of the defense in their scoring. But you know what I have noticed? There's a simplification of the way the game is being played, and it's translating in a better power play in a better penalty kill. The Rangers woke up this morning fourth in the league on the power play. When's the last time you guys could say that? When is the last time any of us could say that? They woke up eighth in the league on the penalty kill, okay, after 17 games. That's a big deal. So yeah. right now we're starting to see if there's a trade-off, if there's a trade-off that we're not scoring goals. Yes, Dan Girardi scoring goals. Mark Stahl has a couple of goals, as a matter of fact, on the point. No big deal because you're getting you got 21 points out of your captain and out of a rookie, okay, out of Nick Holden who yes for better or for worse, you know has played the way he's played, but he's giving you, I believe he's giving you eight uh, no sorry seven seven points from the point nine including including nine you're right you're right nine and a and a power play goal okay and it's and it's worked out so. Where you have to trade off some things, you're looking at, you're wondering where's going to be that moment when it's all going to go to waste. You see so many more things that you can just say, you know what, a simplification of the game has led to positive results. Who can compare? Sure. Uh, now, I actually have a question for you on that because I think you brought up a good Shoot. point. Shoot. Shoot. So, the Rangers are 1-3 in close games, and we've talked a lot about how those one-goal games really haven't existed all that much. And the Carolina game sticks out in my mind specifically as a game where, like you said, and we're in agreement with the forwards actually 
getting to the puck more, doing more work in the defensive zone than they've ever done before. Yeah. In those games where it's a close game and it's a one-goal game and the Rangers forwards have to be worried about scoring goals instead of sitting back and being able to help out the defense, do mm-hmm. you see this defense being able to carry that water in the playoffs? Uh, they don't have to. See, once you start to once you start to make a change, a transition in in forward starting to do what defensemen have been called upon to do all the time, you don't have to worry about that. That's no longer part of the issue. Now you're looking for something to happen that doesn't have to happen. You take away a variable. Take away the defense having to play, you know, uh, uh, Sidney Crosby and, a, and, a, and Evgeny Malkin and an Alex Ovechkin and the like. Okay, head on. No, you've got three forwards that commit and come back that make it a five-on-five situation, as opposed to it being, you know, three-on-two, four-on-two, five-on-two. You're looking at five-on-five, five-on-five defensive zone, five-on-five offensive zone, five-on-five neutral zone. You've the problem solved. Playoffs. Hey. If if you're consistent, if you do something consistency in the re, consistently in the regular season, you do it consistently throughout. If you yeah, stick to I, it, if you start from it from the preseason, you'll carry it to the postseason. There's no reason why it should, it should stop. I guess my concern is we have not seen the Rangers be forced into too many positions like that before. And True. We've talked at length. If you're up by three goals, you don't give a crap what's happening really in the back end. All the <laughs> Very true. That is part of this. I don't know if we've really seen the Rangers have to dig down and do it. And in the three games where it would have been close enough, or the four games where it would have been close enough for that to happen, they've lost mm-hmm. those games. Now, two of those three were goalies doing ridiculous things and standing on their head. The Rangers should have mm-hmm. beaten the Blues in that one-goal game. The Rangers should have beaten the Red Wings in that one-goal game. But the Carolina game was concerning. And we, we've seen little, you know, little jumps there. Uh, Mike, Beth, anything <laughs> you two want to add to the subject? Now, I was just trying to check um, if any of the Rangers' two-goal wins, if any of them were empty net goals, and from a quick cursory look, it doesn't look like it. So it's it might two just... of them. There are two of them, actually. Um, the Islander game is the first one, and the, the Islander game? win, the very first game of the season, was a, well, the Islander win was the first one, and the second one, and I'm, and I'm seeing, I don't know why I'm seeing, I'm seeing Boston on the top of my head, but I could be wrong. But I think Boston is the other one. Boston, the home game, the home win. There was definitely a game where the Rangers scored actually two empty net goals. By the way, two empty net goals. Mm -hmm. That's right. Very, very impressed with your immediate goal scoring knowledge. That's what can I tell you? Listen, I I gotta, (laughs) I gotta eyeball these things, my buddy. This is the job I do. (laughs) I get it. There was a time, I think, uh, one of the first podcasts we did where Mike, we lost Mike towards the end, and Dan's jumped in and. I think I kept you on for most most of the show, and you told me it brought you back to your radio days <laughs> where you were in college. This is exactly what that's for. These moments like this. Um, hey, this is what I do. This is what I do. But this is what makes it fun. Yeah, this is what makes it fun. Let me uh, let me let me just toss this little quick bone at you guys real quick, and then I'm going to hang up, okay? Because um, I know we're going to be done with the, the show in a moment. Yeah, you um, Thinking about thinking about the 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 the, the Games in particular where you've played St. Louis at home, Tampa at home, these are measuring stick games if you really think about it because these are some of the quote-unquote elites in the league. This schedule coming up is going to feature home and homes with Chicago, home and homes with Pittsburgh over the next seven to ten games. Mm 
Would you say that those games will pretty much answer the question that you originally laid out to me to begin this segment? Yeah, I, I would absolutely say I that think so. the, next, yeah. the next 10 games are going to be uh, – and, again, I don't want to take away some of the victories that the Rangers have had earlier this year, mm-hmm. beating the Blues, who everyone thinks is going to be a Stanley Cup contender, beating Washington. There are Edmonton, when Edmonton was on their little run, there are very good teams littered around the New York Rangers with what they've been able to accomplish. But I think the mm-hmm. matchup against the Penguins – I think matchup against the Blackhawks and I think matchups against the Canadians is going to give the Rangers three completely different looks at three different types of team they're going to find in the playoffs. And Absolutely. I think you're going to learn a lot about the Rangers over those next 10 games. Beth, you sounded like you wanted to throw something in there. No, I mean, I was just thinking about the, the, the Washington game. Um, that was when they came back from being down by two, right? Correct. Yes. Right. So that, to me, um, shows a good sort of potential and scrappiness of the sort of thing that we're talking about, keeping your head in the game, coming back, coming back and winning. Um, but for some reason, I, and, you know, it's probably, again, lingering trauma from last year. I really feel like I almost can't know anything until I see them play the pens. I don't know why that is, and I probably shouldn't put that much weight on those games. It probably feels like an emotional weight as much as anything else. Um, but, you know, it, it feels like uh, a lot of air will come out of the balloon if we can't turn all this momentum into a, a nice, solid win against them. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this to you, Beth. The word trauma definitely fits. <laughs> because what we saw, what we saw happen with, with Pittsburgh was quite traumatic. It was a real eye-opener to see the Rangers didn't have a clue against Pittsburgh. I mean, they did not. So to see what they've done in the first 17 this season makes us feel more confident, makes us feel like we're going to be in this game. I'm watching this game right now between Washington and Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh looks like they've, they, got, they got left on the bus. But that's a different story. Um, but we want to see them face-to-face, and we want to know, okay, we're four points ahead of you right now. What are we going to be after, you know, and I'm not passing Columbus by. I don't want to sound like I'm passing Columbus by because Columbus is going to absolutely bring it to us um, come uh, come uh, Friday night. They have like a 40% power play right now. Absolutely. They're 30.5% power play, number one in the league. Ridiculous number they're going with, Mike. Ridiculous number they're going with right now. So, yeah, so our power play, so our penalty kill, which is eighth in the league right now, is going to get brutally tested brutally tested but you know like i said the trauma the trauma of of pittsburgh how they beat (laughs) us in the playoffs last season yeah that that has to be answered and that will make a big difference and what it will tell you is let's say if they're able to get Kreider and 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 bushnevich back healthy before those games come along um, this is this is fingers crossed, both sets of fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything. Okay, mm-hmm. if those guys come back healthy and you've got a full complement to play against Pittsburgh and you're able to get a win, not two, just give me one, okay? You've got to now talk about them being legitimate contenders for the Stanley Cup. No question about it. Michael, your thoughts on that point? Well, by by the time... By the time that comes, it'll be it'll be 20 games in the book easy. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's I know it's early to to rule people in or out of the the playoffs, but uh, and you know, I think 
we can start to look at trends and take a guess at where teams are. But I don't know. I I, I hesitate to say I hesitate to join you, Dan, <laughs> only because this is the Rangers. Of course. Um, and you know we have a couple guys who are shooting like you know 25% right now. And uh, you know it's one of these things where you know so many things are going right with the forwards despite injuries and. Uh, mm-hmm at some point the luck will run out, you know, at some point the Rangers are going to get shut out. It'll, it'll happen because it happens to everyone. So it happens. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say they should reserve, you know, seats in the, the cup finals yet. Um, they still obviously have a long way to go. I mean, I don't have to remind you guys how poor the Rangers looked in the playoffs last season. I mean, it was worse. It was Little. really rough. Um, yeah. And this team is really different. <laughs> But, uh, Was it rough for them? You know, it's, no, there's a lot to like here, but it's still early. Mike, I, I like that point, which was the you bring up the Rangers aren't going to be lucky for long. So I did a little a little search, and I'm using an actual computer. Dan's is using his head, and he's spouting off these numbers. So I'm going to be right on this at least. Hayes is shooting 34%. Then Grabner, VC, Buchnevich, Holden, and Girardi. Uh, fast and... That's it. Or shooting over twenty percent. So you'd you left one out. Is you left one down. out. Who'd I leave? You left out uh, Peary. I don't think so. No, 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 no. Peary's at seventeen percent. So well, you, you carry over. It's going to be there. Miller, Zuccarello, <laughs> Peary are around seventeen percent. Nash is at fourteen percent. Yeah. You expect him to stay there. Kreider's of at course. eight. The Banajad mm-hmm. is at seven. Stepan is seven. at six. You would expect those numbers to jump up a little bit. So give or take I'm five. Saying, yeah. yeah, sure. A few, a few. Criders is is very low. Most of his points are actually assists, which mm-hmm. I don't think I realized. We're expecting to see more goals from someone like me because Banajad than we've seen to this point. We've already seen VC drop. I think he was at thirty six percent at some, at one point. He's back down to twenty four percent. Hayes mm-hmm. isn't going to stay up there. Grabner could stay around the twenty percent zone because most of his goals are coming on breakaways right now. I don't think. And he's, he's also not going to shoot but... a great deal, especially since he gets lower and lower in the lineup when those guys can return. Yeah, it will. But you'd think too that might actually bolster his chances because he's not going up against some of the other team's better players. I mean, no matter where you put him, even if you put him on the fourth line, he's still with Peary. He's still with mm-hmm. people who could score goals, and Grabner has not. Been I think the, the tide turned for him a little bit last night, actually, for Grabner. Who Grabner? Last night we saw a couple of gra- uh, breakaways that uh, missed the net. Actually, oh yeah, you're right. Not even got yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that that makes Just me really happy with Grabner is you're not. He's not the product of someone feeding him the puck. Grabner is creating yeah. his own goals. It's his speed. It's his work on the defensive zone. It's his ability to create turnovers. It wouldn't shock me if Grabner kept this pace up. It wouldn't shock me if Grabner had that high of a scoring shooting percentage, but he's not, he doesn't need Stepan. He doesn't need Zuccarello. He doesn't need Zibanejad to set him up. He's doing things on his own. That's good. VC's going to continue to fall. You think Buchnevich is going to fall. I'm not even mentioning Girardi and Holden because they're not, you're not expecting them to be real sources of offense. Mm-hmm. Brady Shea can't continue to not score goals. Same thing for Ryan McDonough. Both of them have zero goals on the year. Uh, there are, there's ways here to see the Rangers kind of keep this going. You think about like a sound wave, how it goes up and down as it travels. 
you want your players to mesh. So the players that are up right now, as they come down, you want the other players who are down to come up. And through 17 games this year, we've kind of seen that. Hayes has picked up the slack. Miller's picked up the slack. Jimmy Vesey was a hero the first few weeks of the season. You haven't heard his name all that much. Buchnevich mm-hmm. was invisible in terms of the score sheet, and not mm-hmm. in terms of his play, but in terms of the score sheet in the beginning. Now you can't stop hearing his name. Hayes and Miller mm-hmm. have really been the only two consistent players. Zuccarello's been up and down. Zibanejad got off to a hot start. So did Peary. Both of them have kind of cooled off. Now they're coming back. Rick Nash and Chris Kreider were monsters. Kreider's obviously injured. Nash has been good regardless, but he hasn't been putting up those types of points. Stefan wasn't putting up any points in the beginning. Now he's putting up points now later in the year. So we have seen the Rangers sink that way. I'm not sure it's going to continue. I'm not sure it can continue. But if it does continue, they are lethal. Because one of the biggest benefits of running four skill lines is you have 12 players who can create offense. You're not talking about a top six that you need to contribute offense because your bottom six isn't giving you anything. The Rangers don't work but that you, way. But, ahead, but, but, Joe, you just answered your own question. That, see, that's the answer to your initial question. What you just said is the answer to your initial question. Because you, because you don't – first of all, you don't need to score. You don't need to score more than those four goals. If obviously four goals has gotten you the winner, then you don't need more than four goals. If obviously you've turned around and, and allowed only two goals, then you only need two goals. So what do you need to do? Do you need, you know, how many guys on the team can score four goals in a night? Everyone. So pick four names out of a hat. You'll get four goals. Carry that with you through the next, I don't know, the next, let's say the next 50 of the next, of the next 65, ga- or 65 games that are left in the season. What do you got? You're going to carry, you're going to find a way to get, at least, okay, 37, let's say 37 out of the next 65, you're going to win, okay? Those 37 out of the next 65, you're going to be well over 500. You're, you're, you're nine games over 500 as we speak, so how much further do you have to go? If you're, not a, if you're not a playoff contender at that point, then you really don't belong. And at that point, you're not going to the playoffs. You're going further than just the first round. You've answered and your question. Where, there's your, there's that's your defense because your defense has now been answered by, an, uh, by a moving, solid offense. This is hard to project because we've never seen it before. No team has no, – I I unless I'm wrong, no team yeah. has ever run a true 12 skilled players. I, I still think um, that Vigneault's system dictates the defense to be – a little bit more active, as much as maybe we haven't seen some of the shortfalls, mm-hmm. and you're talking about the offense, and I, I, I totally get where you are on that point. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. first of all, Shea has been a revelation in, in terms of moving the puck. Brian McDonough has been awesome. Nick Holden has put up a lot of points. that I, I would have been happy with nine points from Nick Holden all year, let alone the first 17 games. <laughs> much less the last 17. <laughs> I would have been... I would have been happy with three goals from Girardi through 82 games. He already has three goals, and I'm pretty sure every single one of them is a game-winning goal. So uh, all but not no, really, two of them. You're not getting a ton of offense out of Stahl, but again, so what? You could get a lot of offense out of Clendenning. He's not playing. Kevin Klein, even him, you, you're getting six assists out of. The, I don't know if I see the, the defense putting up as many points. I don't know if I see McDonough and Shea continuing this because if, if I was another team's coach, I would absolutely put pressure on McDonough in the offensive zone, on Shea in the offensive zone, to make sure that they could not transition that puck 
And I would absolutely clog up that neutral zone because when that's happened to the Rangers, they have not shown a way to get through it. To your point, they're fourth in the league on the power play. So in the games where, like, Edmonton sticks out, not this, the past game, the first game, Edmonton mm-hmm. really clogs up the lanes. Boston really clogs up the lanes. The Rangers won those games because their power play scored two or three goals. That's something we have not seen in a really long time. The penalty kills always uh-huh. been pretty good. So I, you're a positive person. You're uh, a light <laughs> to this, this, this podcast in that I think you're talking me into reasons why this, this would be more sustainable, but I am totally with Beth in that this is the New York Rangers, and you just don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. You have no idea, and, and it could drop, you know, I, I don't know. But I think you, you definitely brought up some really good points that we were kind of dancing around and maybe didn't get to. But I think the Rangers can sink through a lot of this year. I really do. Just It's the benefit of having so much. Eventually, you're going to hit. You buy 50 lottery tickets, you're going to win on one of them. Maybe you won't win the jackpot, sure. but you're going to win on one of them. Sure. That's kind of what the Rangers have. You don't know who's going to give you that effort. And for Miller to be leading the Rangers and there's no inflated shooting percentage for him. He's shooting at 19%. He's got a point per game. JT Miller is turning into that player that we all thought he could be. My hook Mm. for him for Truba was that he could be a 30, 30 guy this year. And a lot of people told me I was out of my mind. He might be a 30, 30 guy this year. And that would be, Uh, that would would make two of us. That would make two of us, by the way. Stefan's never hit 60, so to put no, that in Step- context. Stepan, I wish that wasn't a lockout-shortened year either because he was a, he was a monster that year. Uh, and mm-hmm. we talked about this before on the podcast. We said if we got 20 or, what was it, 50 or 60 points combined from VC and Buxnevich, we would have been happy. Mm-hmm. You might see more than that out of them. You really might. Someone like 75. Who would have mm-hmm. said Grabner was going to be leading the team in goals 17 games into the year? Honestly, you would have never thought about it. We're not even nope. talking about Matt Zuccarello as an offensive force. He has seven goals already this year. Brandon and he Perry, wasn't playing well to start the season. So, I mean, Matt Zuccarello, when he, came back in from, when he came back in from the World Cup, he looked dazed and confused. The first six games of the season, Matt Zuccarello looked like he belonged stuck in, in the bleachers. I mean, seriously. He did not look good. But since, I don't know what it was, there was a juggle. There was a juggle in the lineup. I want to say it had to have been the Washington game, where he figured out, okay, it's time for me to wake up now. And from that point, the passes have been crisper. He has seen his teammates, and he has moved like I mean, like like an like an angel out there. He's just, I mean, he's a guardian to every single thing you see. The per, he's in a perfect position to receive a pass. He's in excellent position to make a pass. And he has been a dynamo, and he's finally woken up and seen that Mika Zibanejad is his teammate and not playing still in Ottawa. <laughs> and yeah. that has turned him into an unbelievable force just, just the, over these last uh, eight games or so in particular. And your reference of Angel makes the sixth consecutive show we've <laughs> talked about religion. That is uh, a new record. <laughs> Mike, I have not heard your what? beautiful voice in a while. Is there anything you want to throw no. in the here? Oh, you, you guys are you guys are just wonderful. I love all of you. You know that. You know, <laughs> you know I love all. Of you. Especially you, Mike. You know, you, you you know you know. Don't think I ever forgot about the fact that you that you well wished me. Uh, you know, while I was dealing with the uh, the cancer issue before, but I appreciate that. I didn't forget you. You know, I really didn't forget you. 
No, and I don't forget that you had an incredibly entertaining podcast at uh <laughs> barbecue slash odd gathering that I, I always want to get to but I never can. Yeah, I've missed that barbecue too and Tony's gonna kill me. Maybe this year we should Yeah, well don't him. worry, I'm gonna kill you too. I'm gonna yeah. kill you too because I shouldn't have had to do that podcast. Huh. You shouldn't have. No, I didn't even know a podcast was going on until you just said something. So no, that it was shows really entertaining. I, I liked it. it. Yeah, this is well, the time. Quiet, this is let, you, let you take over. Right, go ahead. <laughs> say something, anything. Oh, say something, anything. Um, Kevin Hayes is lighter. He is lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's lighter. He uh, not light enough I, to, well, to throw a puppy, but go on. No, no, um, I think the one thing I'll point out, and it is important, and I don't want to get back into the you know serious nonsense, but the Rangers have a little over half a dozen players who are shooting below or at um, like what you'd expect a shooting percentage to be. Obviously, you're going to have a lower shooting percentage, so maybe even a little less than that. And right now there are you know, 11 different guys who are shooting around 18% or more. That's one out of every five shots is in the net. And that explains a lot why there's four or five goals every game and Papa Johnson, everyone. But <laughs> that, that can't really last forever, and I'm saying that, but it's been 17 games. And so, you know, it's not like we're dealing with a really small sample size here. Like, these are these are guys who, you know, Shot over, you know, most of the team has, I would imagine, in the range of 20 to 30 shots at this point, um, yeah. especially the forwards. So I, you have to ask why that's happening. And I think a big reason why is because the Rangers are doing so well in the power play and they are doing so well in transition. I mean, how many goals have we seen this season on rushes? And Yeah, they're not how, garbage yeah. either. They're beautiful, a yeah. lot of them. Gorgeous. So... You know, it's. Um, I don't know if I'm starting to starting to cross the line over to Dan's positivity a little bit, but uh, <laughs> got enough to go easy, on. Easy, brother. Run. Easy. We don't. We don't want you to. We don't want you to run. We just want you to crawl. <laughs> take uh, it easy. Just, okay. I'll take it one step at a time. But yeah, <laughs> one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, I think we all know that we can't expect you know eleven or a dozen different guys on the team to shoot eighteen percent or above. It doesn't happen. I mean, in Grabner's crazy 34-goal year with the Islanders, granted he was in a very different role and, like, you know, 200-shot-on-net role, you know, he, he shot, like, 14%. So we have to keep things like that in mind in terms of, you know, the law of averages and working with smaller numbers and seeing what happens when larger number, you know, we work with larger sample sizes. So it can go down, but, you know, there are a couple guys like Stepan and, you know, and even Kreider, especially, you know, Joe, you said we, it's hard to believe that he only has so many goals, but he also has something like six primary assists already. So it's, he's involved in goals. Like if you remember the, the beautiful give and go play he had uh, with Stefan, just, he's always right in the thick of it when the goals are happening. And I think that's why we can overlook the fact that, you know, he's shooting a little cold despite the fact that he's involved in high-quality scoring chances when he is in the lineup. So, um, The Rangers' Rangers offensive system does generate a lot of odd-man rushes. So when you look at a normal team's sustainable PDO or a normal team's sustainable shooting percentage, 
it would not be shocking for the Rangers' sustainable percentage to be inflated from the league average because, again, most teams don't generate as many odd man rushes as the Rangers do. And one of the biggest benefits the Rangers have added to their team this year is their speed, and you're seeing a lot of that. So, like Beth said, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful to see, and it also means that there is a ton of opportunities for the Rangers to get those high-scoring chances because they're on odd man rushes or breakaways or whatever it may be. Um, we don't know. You just don't know what the deal is with this team because you really haven't seen this before. And the Rangers are doing a lot of things right, and this forward group is something that I think we're going to see a lot of teams emulate. We're going to see them try to copy, and we're going to see them do what they can to get it like this. But Bunievich is the Rangers' C option. Uh, think about that for a minute. And give Gordon a lot of credit, picking up Peary for pennies on the dollar at the tail end of the, the free agency period, finding a way to land VC, getting Buchnevich to come over from Russia, making the Broussard trade for Zibanejad. There's a lot there. And again, we, we do talk about sustainability a lot. We talk about whether or not the Rangers are going to be able to keep this pace up. I don't think they're going to score this many goals and they're going to continue doing this, but we don't know. And it is what it is. Beth, anything you want to add? I think I'm good, actually. This is where we are. <laughs> I, I like the idea of we're going to play the Pens twice. If we win one of those, we'll be happy, unless the other one is some sort of ridiculous, embarrassing, disgusting blowout with double snow angels that just brings it all swarming <laughs> back to us. But but I like that because, I mean, I think it's true. If we can we play two, we win one, we're in this. So that that eases my mind a little bit. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Anytime. Dan, anything you want to throw into the fire as we uh, close down? Just a quickie. Um, I, I think that the one thing that cl- that you can be clued in on about what the Rangers will be for the rest of the season is the fact that the goaltending, particularly in the case of Henrik Lundqvist, um, Henrik Lundqvist right now, save percentage, he's 17th in the league, uh, goals against, 16th in the league. I actually think I have those numbers reversed. Um, and right now he's second in the league in wins. So you're not asking him to go all world. He is at times the king, and at times he's Henrik, you know, and that's good enough, and that's going to get you a lot of what you need. You're not going to get everything out of it, but you're going to get most of everything out of it. And Ranta Ranta has played pretty well in his starts. Um, You know, I mean, take away the the game against uh, Vancouver, but – you know, and I, I didn't think he played well even before he got hurt. So um, he got he got pretty lucky on a couple of saves early in that game, as I recall. Um, but he didn't play that well. But in his games that he has played during the season, okay, um, the San Jose game is kind of one of those. Eh, it's a cookie, but all the others he's had he's had pretty good starts. He's played pretty well. The goaltending has done its job, but that's because of something that Elaine Vigneault did change. And I think Jeff Bukaboom has helped him figure out how to get the defense to make it happen. And that's that they're allowing shots to be shot as opposed to trying to block every damn thing under the sun. So again, save last night's game. Oh, um, God, yeah. They're, they're going out of their way. They're going out of their way to, to block shots, but you're seeing them do it, but still allow plenty more shots um, to be fired at the net, and and the goalies are making saves, and they're making good saves and quality savings, you know. Bye, and um, you know, you're wondering if whether or not 
you, you know, you're wondering whether or not this can be sustained. I think that's the part of it that, you know, makes it easier on both forwards and defense to be able to, you know, to, to sustain themselves and push this team and allow this team to be offensive-minded because on the back end, everything is just fine. That's all Michael, I got. Michael, anything you want to add? Uh, the Rangers have a rookie named Boo Nieves, and the Raiders <laughs> have a rookie named Mie Bench. Ain't, so ain't that something? <laughs> that's my, uh, here, that's my big... <laughs> Here's my final reveal for the podcast. Derek Broussard only has six points this year. Did you wow. know that? Oh, that's no fun. Wait, what? Seriously, Derek, Derek Broussard only has six, six points this year. Points. Yeah. He has a goal and five assists, and I'm pretty sure he had three points also, the opening night. Also, Ronta has a 938 save percentage. Whew. Well, there you have ladies, it. Gentlemen. Dan, thank mm-hmm. you for calling in, my friend. You are always welcome. And uh, yeah, positive you, voice. You turn, you turn this around. This has gone from. Uh, yeah, too, too happy with you here. We got to get rid of. Yeah, that. we did. I know. I know. I I turned on. I know. I turned on the happy. I took the happy pill before I called, so I couldn't help it. I, I, I don't take a happy pill. Guys, so. You don't have to take a happy pill. Uh, I know I've been I've been a grumpy Gus, and I apologize to everybody. But uh, you know I've started school. I've started. I've been working very hard. So you know it's been it, it's been a rough go. So the Rangers are probably my one of my few you know one of my few positives alongside you know along, alongside my my lovely girlfriend, my lovely cat, and you know and all the <laughs> other things in my life. So and all of us love you know I'm happy to. Happy. <laughs> Hockey saves so much. <laughs> Uh, thank you, everybody. You can uh, you can find Dan's on Blue Shirt Banter at uh, Dan's Ten. You can find us at Blue Shirt Banter at BlueShirtBanter dot com. Uh, you can also find Mike and Beth on BlueShirtBanter dot com slash Riveters. Beth at Beth Macklin on Twitter. Mike at Mike or Dig Deep BSB on Twitter. And you can also find Mike on today's Slapshot. And Rink, are you still doing Rink Around the Rosies? Yeah, sporadically, but yeah. And Rink Around the Rosie, sporadically. Uh, and just so you all know, for the final 30 minutes of the podcast, Stanley, my lab, has been under my leg looking at something underneath the desk. And I don't know what it is. It could be an animal. I'm not sure. Uh, so if I don't survive, just remember this podcast for what it was. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Dan Penn. Thank you for calling in and making us all happy. We will talk to you next week. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.